Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. never intentionally been to Art Basel. I think I've been in Miami one weekend that it happened to be Art Basel. But can we talk about the other sort of douchey festivals that pretend to be about something else, but they're really poserish? Meaning I hear that real art collectors are not buying at Art Basel because they've already bought or they've already seen because once Art Basel comes in, it becomes picked over. So you're there to be a douchebag. You're literally there to name drop and pose and say, I'm going down for Art Basel. And I these these types of thing things annoy me so. I don't love going to things if they don't have something to do with me. It's always been my thing. Every year I'll get invited to one or two fashion events that I could sit front row at. And the only time I ever went to Fashion Week was when... Pamela Rowland invited me and it was something to do for the housewives. So that was a thing that we did. But I didn't love that because it was not truthful. What I mean, I have nice clothes. I wear nice clothes. But Fashion Week doesn't really have anything to do with me. I mean, it just, it doesn't. I don't like to pretend that it does. It's a, I, It is a cool experience, but it's sort of like... There's a pretentiousness to not being involved and it must annoy the people who are really involved to see the superficiality of what it's become to where it's a celebrity fest and I guess that's what Art Basel's become and Coachella because isn't Coachella the musical version where yes there's amazing music there but aren't young girls just and I know my assistant would call them thoughts I don't even know what it means I think it means like young girls that go to Coachella effectively they all say that word I don't know what it means deep thoughts I don't know it's like young girls that I don't know that go to Coachella I guess um but don't they all just go there to wear like crossbody suede fringed satchels and like earthy wavy like 70s 60s hair and act cool do they really know the music they're listening to I don't know why it just really is just not my personality so Art Basel falls under that and there are other things too it's Art Basel Coachella as well oh Burning Man. That sounds like a land of douchebaggery and posery. But I don't know. I haven't been to any of them. I went to Lollapalooza one year. It was in Chicago. It was on a lawn. And my ex is a photographer, so we went. And I went to I, I went to the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show with him. 
and different events like that with him. But I would always feel inauthentic because it's like, I know I'm not supposed to be here. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I'll stay in my own lane and go to the things I'm supposed to go to. Like when I got invited to the Emmys, it was not a reach because I had a TV show coming out and I am on TV. But going to the Grammys is a little bit of a reach unless I'm announcing something or doing something. So I don't know why. It's just never for me. But the Kentucky Derby would be relevant because I grew up at the racetrack. That, that is douchebaggery for others, but not douchebaggery for me. So there's some douchebaggery that doesn't apply to me. If I, went, I used to go to Sundance. I used to host Chef Dance. Paul's produced a bunch of independent films. So Sundance, another festival that was very, very cool and authentic when it started and got douchey. I don't know what it is now, if it's still douchey, because independent films aren't the same as they used to be. And the film industry isn't exactly what it used to be, but it used to be very commercial. Uh, at its peak, but I would have some reason to be there because I have a history there, because I snowboard, and because Paul's produced movies. So let me know about your perception of these douchey events. My guest today is MediaLink Chairman and CEO Michael Casson. He's a legend in the advertising and marketing industry. He led Initiative Media Worldwide as the COO and Vice Chairman from 1994 to 2001 and helped grow the company's initial $1.5 billion in billings nearly tenfold. In 2019, Michael was even inducted into the American Advertising Federation's Hall of Fame. Michael has his own podcast on iHeart, Good Company, where he talks to the biggest players in the industry, but today we get to hear his own story firsthand. You are going to love this conversation, and there's a lot of takeaway for you and how to market your business. Okay, so uh, most respectfully, most of the listeners will not know who you are and know what your company does. So you're a different type of guest, but uh, interesting for sure. And nevertheless, I want, I like to have different types of people on corporate people, mavericks, entrepreneurs, and people who have really sort of climbed through an industry. So you're an ad man. Is that correct? Well, yes. I mean, I, I, uh, you know, MediaLink is a, a media uh, advisory firm. Uh, I grew up um, in an interesting, different kind of careers, but for the last 29 years, I've been in the advertising media marketing industry. I ran the largest media agency in the world at the time, and then I started MediaLink about 16 years ago. And, you know, we're the leading media consulting firm in the industry, I think. Uh, immodestly. So yes, I wouldn't say ad man, but, you know, media, uh, media, media man more than ad man. But media man, that's evolved because it used to be about advertising and it's evolved into media because that whole entire landscape has changed. Yeah. The way I, let me, let me give you a hand. The way I describe media link is we're a, 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 media or a firm that lives at the intersection of marketing, media, advertising, entertainment, and technology as they all come together. So if you were to describe it, you could say something like that. Just So it's not just media, it's not just marketing, it's entertainment, it's technology. You may forget all of those, but if you said marketing, you know, media, advertising, technology, and entertainment, those you'd remember. And those are that's the way we describe the firm. Yeah, well, messaging and connecting. You're in the business of messaging and connecting to the consumer. Absolutely, very much. The name of the firm, MediaLink, had something to do with connectivity. Yeah, so how have you been able to keep up with what's going on and how to know how to really still reach a customer and how to advise brands that pay you and how to tell an average person who has a small business, who's a lot of the people who listen here are budding entrepreneurs and they want to know they can't afford a publicist. They're not great at social media. You know, they're not on the, they're not a TikTok influencer. How do you get the messaging across when there's so many messages and it's so crowded now, way more than it used to be? Yeah. I mean, look, um, that's the opportunity in front of us. That's what MediaLink attacked when, when I founded the firm. We saw that 
whether small businesses or you know local, what we call SMB, small and medium-sized businesses, no different than large companies. If you're a big company and you're used to advertising on television on a commercial break and the world is going to streaming, you have just as much tr- trouble or challenge as you know, Pete the plumber or, or you know, Sally the, the, the hairdresser who's got to figure out how to get the message across you know, with a better utilization of social media or whatnot. I mean, you know, Bethany, the truth is Google and Facebook, somewhere in the range of 80% of their revenue comes from small and medium-sized businesses. Sure, L'Oreal and Procter & Gamble and General Motors spend money, but the majority of the money that is generated by Google and Facebook and the like and TikTok and, you know, are small, medium-sized businesses that they can't ever have afforded a 30-second commercial on, you know, network television or cable, but they can use social media. And so those are some of the things that we address, obviously, yes. So you could go down that road and we could talk about that and how the small and medium-sized businesses, which you say comprise a good deal of your listeners, they would understand that from the context of utilization of social media. My question to you about the inauthenticity of a lot of social media um, and the change that so many people have made to lean into it as an advertising tool, as a marketing tool, as a, uh, a PR tool, how is it not getting so crowded with all of the messaging all day long that it cancels each other out, like that that brands aren't able to be heard. How is it possible that there are so many messages going on, so many more than we used to have, and that we're still able to absorb all this content information? Well, you know, the job of a marketer, Bethany, uh, or those people who help create the messages is to make sure yours stands out. You know, to be honest, uh, we've always had, a, a, you know, a, a cacophony of, of messages. And you had to, if you think of just watching a television show and, you know, a commercial break happens and there's four ads in that break, how do you make sure yours is the one that stands out? And many times it, it can be three different car companies and a, you know, and a, a drug manufacturer. And then you've got to make sure your car ad stands out against the other ones. It's no different than we've done and an entire industry sprung up around search engine optimization or social media optimization to make sure that you know you utilize and take advantage of the algorithms that can get your message to the top. It's not a surprise when somebody types in um, margarita, your name might come up, okay? Because it's been optimized. That's a business to make sure that when I type in margarita, your name comes up. Oh no, I know, believe me, when you type in you could type in shapewear and it'll come up. You would type in skinny girl shapewear and other brands will come up because they've taken sort of the association of my brand for them. And I, you know, I find it to be. Well, listen, that's, that's a truth. And if you think about product placement, if you think about the idea of having a Coca-Cola can on the table in a movie or show or having an Apple computer or, you know, whatever it might be, that is, you know, historically what's always happened because what you're doing is you're borrowing the celebrity one from the other. You're taking a brand that is a celebrity in some way and you're making it either to make it more authentic or to focus on that brand and you're making it cooler. And and so that yeah. is no different than you do with talent. By having your association, people are drawing off and and, and drafting off of the cool factor of Bethany Frankel. So that's the that's the quid pro quo uh, that that people want to do. That's why you use endorsements. That's why people ask you to endorse a product or your product is is utilized to make somebody feel current or cool or you know of the moment. Where are people absorbing and consuming most of their content now? I meaning there, where is the most effective means of getting the advertising message through? Is that on social media? Is that 
on streamers, you know, into is it integrating products into a show now? I mean, is the Super Bowl less valuable than it used to be, or is it more valuable because there aren't that many commercials on? I mean, Super Bowl is very valuable because it's when everybody focuses on it, and it is the one time you know that people are not going to get up to go to the bathroom or do something else during the commercial breaks on the Super Bowl. They might get up during the game, but they'll sit down during the commercials. It's kind of an oddity, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And the other time you have that is probably on the Academy Awards. And, you know, the, if, if, if you're to believe that award shows still have a presence and an importance and a relevance, yeah, those places are the places where you know people are going to pay attention to the commercial messages because they're, it's part of the sort of je ne sais quoi of, of the football game today in the Super Bowl. But on the other hand, I think it's clear if you look at the amount of revenue that's generated by Facebook and Google through advertising, that seems to be the place people think you're going to get the most bang for your buck is in social media. Because, again, generally speaking, we reached a point where uh, commercial avoidance was the moment that people wanted. And I believe that the moment you created the remote control for television you put commercial avoidance at the top of everyone's list. Because the moment you didn't need to get up to change Mm. the channel, but you could sit there and flip the channel while the commercial was on, that's what most people tend to do. And, and, you know, that's the thing you want to avoid. There's a famous old saying in advertising, which has been around for more than 100 years, and it was something that, if you remember, you're... You wouldn't remember, but you you probably know the name Wanamaker's. It was a department store chain back in the in the uh, you know a hundred years ago in Philadelphia and New York and on the East Coast. And John Wanamaker famously said, "50 percent of my advertising dollars are wasted. I just wish I knew which 50 percent." Right, right. That's sort of what I'm saying to you. Breakthrough messaging. And people really don't know where to be spending their money. For example, I just said to my assistant today, she was talking about this TikTok influencer who has 8 million followers. And I said, okay, but, and and I know some of these influencers who come to me to ask me how to make, maximize their 15 minutes. And I'm thinking, you have 8 million followers. Like, I'm assuming somehow they're monetizing it and making money, but I don't exactly know how. I'm sure brands are saying, pour my salad dressing over your salad, but that's not a real monetization so I'm wondering okay so you're a TikTok influencer you have 8 million followers how are you converting that so you know if I post on Instagram and I only get a few likes but I'm posting just for the information that we're doing relief work right now in Kentucky just so people know what we're doing but uh it doesn't get that many likes does that mean that people aren't going to donate as much or you know if I get so many likes because I'm wearing a bathing suit. Does that mean people are buying more products? I don't really know exactly how it's working. There is definitely correlation, okay? There is definitely definitely correlation. If if you have if you if if you t- were photographed in your Christmas reindeer outfit, that's going to influence people. You know, I've got that sweater with a reindeer. I should have been wearing. Yeah, I mean, or gee, I'd love to get it. I'd love to find that. I mean, obviously, that influences people's purchase decisions. And the way that monetization happens if you're an influencer is either you create your own brands, as you did, or you're endorsing someone else's brand. That's the way you monetize it. You either have to create your own. Look, it, 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 the, the greatest example... Wait, but before you... but but. But what I'm saying is it doesn't always convert. So I was on Bravo, which is a small audience, and it's the it's the demo, which we'll talk about in a little bit, what the demo is and who's buying and who who people want. But it was a, a 18 to 49, uh, four years plus college, $250,000 a year. That's who's watching. Small audience, a million and a half viewers. Okay. And, you know, I had the fastest growing liquor brand in history at the time. I went and had a talk show every single day on network television, syndicated show, talked about the cocktail, talked about all my products, didn't move the needle at all. So people think that many things are working and they're not. So I don't, if I wear, if I'm making a salad and using the dressing, it doesn't necessarily mean 
that people are buying dressing. People may, that audience may already know I have dressing. So they may be sick of hearing about dressing. They may, you know, it's very hard to stay on the pulse of what's going on at all times with what you are talking about and selling. And I see people badgering people with it. And that's why I mention the the online purchases I made that I'm being badgered with discount codes on my email. And I I don't want to buy from these brands anymore. So I think that there's a line between the 50% that's working and 50% that's not. I don't think most small businesses really know. The weirdest thing will affect the, affect your sales. Well, but there's, you know, what's interesting is they actually do know, uh, Bethany, because they check it out every day on the cash register. Let me give you an example. And I don't want to get too granular because it's kind of complicated technologically, but there's been a, a, an ongoing battle, if you will, between Apple and Facebook in this past year on cookies and, 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 and the ability to have, you know, advertisers be able to actually know what people are Mm -hmm. doing and apple put down uh, the gauntlet and said we're not going to let people track Mm -hmm. that way anymore and that had a massive impact on the small and medium-sized businesses whose lifeblood of marketing was facebook right and without some of the data that says tells you where you need to go to get to bethany as a consumer facebook could become less effective and I've heard many small advertisers, I mean, we don't advise a lot of small advertisers, but mm-hmm. I've heard many small advertisers say that the deprecation or the, the less value of the cookie technologically has had direct and, and, and clear impact on their advertising and their ability to generate revenue. So small businesses actually do see it because they know the uplift they get in business or when it's not working, they see that business is down. Yeah, but I'm saying it is, sometimes it's a crapshoot. It's the weird thing. It's something that you wouldn't have expected. And I want to know who you, who do you think is, who's the most key customer right now? Who do people really want to be speaking to? Is it the younger generation because they want to keep them and nurture them and, and bring them with them as a brand? Or is it the purchasers of the households, the, the, the wives, etc.? Obviously, I know it depends upon the product, but where's the sweet spot? Who, who should people be talking to? Yeah, the holy grail for most marketers always has been that hard-to-reach demographic of the young consumer, again, depending on the product, but also, to your point, um, what the consumer packaged goods company has, camp companies have learned is, you know, the woman is the one making more decisions about purchases than the man, if you will, in terms of a family. So get to, get to mom or get to the woman. It doesn't necessarily have to be a mom, but get to the woman. She's the one making the decisions about those kinds of purchases. Not good to send me the message because I'm not going to be the person going to the supermarket or online to purchase the goods. So, you know, you go after that demo. The challenge on the younger demo, and this is an important point, is they're fickle. And the challenge on the younger demo is, I've always said, when you find them, it may be too late. They have to find you. Mm. Because when you finally get to that demo on Facebook or whatever the medium might be, they're already moving on to the next one. They're on to the next thing. It's interesting. And it's also interesting that, um, you know, it has been a long time for women to be really recognized and equal pay and equal in business. And I think it was Warren Buffett who said, we're leaving half of our team on the bench by not really focusing on women, particularly if women are making the, the purchasing decisions. So women are running the business effectively. They're, they're so influential and it's such an interesting, uh, you know, conversation and construct with, with men being the real business people and women not being taken seriously because they should be taken so seriously, particularly in this context. I, I do believe marketers look at it that way. Now you could say, uh, look at how much money they spend, marketers spend in sports. And are you gonna say that generally if it's football, perhaps, versus tennis, I'm just, I'm not saying that specifically, I'm just making the point. Are you going to attract more male viewers or more female viewers? You've got to look at it through that lens, too. My bet is in football, you're going to attract more male viewers. And maybe in, in golf, you, you know, I don't, I'm guessing you're going to attract, I do know, you're going to attract more male viewers. But in gaming, the surprise has been 
there's a lot more women gamers than people initially thought. Mm -hmm. So you can reach women in gaming, not just young guys, you know, who are gamers. There's a lot of there's a high percentage of gamers that are women and marketers realize that. So you're going to find products that might be t targeted to women showing up more in gaming than you might have guessed. You know, on paper, you'd go, oh, well, that must be, you know, you know, grungy gamers hanging out and, you know, no, it's you're going to find the demographic is much more diverse than you thought. Yeah. And look, we have the same challenge, Bethany, on diverse audiences. Where do you reach those diverse audiences? Do you reach a, a black audience on BET or do you reach a black audience on ABC? And then what's the what's the or or both obviously, and and do you reach a Spanish a Hispanic audience a Latin audience on Univision, or do you reach them on general market? It, you're going to reach them in both places. Mm -hmm. Where is the predominant, you know, grouping? So those are the kinds of decisions that media strategists help marketers make. And also, where do you break through in that? You could you could reach them in both, but there might be so much other messaging that you might not be able to break through in one place. That's why it is it's true. You have to be very innovative and look at the landscape and look what other people are doing. And sometimes you do have to throw the spaghetti at the wall when you're marketing. Well, exactly. And you hope uh, you said it cleaner than I would. You hope it sticks. Mm -hmm. You said spaghetti. I might have said something mm -hmm. else, but you throw it against the wall and hope it sticks. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Love this. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What have your biggest wins been in your career? Your biggest financial, per, you know, wins, uh, I guess, investments, business investments, and what have your biggest uh, media uh, ideas been? Your biggest wins, and then your biggest failures and mistakes, things that you just missed. My biggest win was when I met my wife and married her. That was my biggest. Oh, win. Okay. okay. Well, that's nice. Maybe the biggest win was when we had our kids and grandkids. That's the biggest win for me. Well, career, we're talking about career-wise. Um, when I transitioned into the media business back in the early 90s, because I'm old, just to put it out there, I'm 71 years old. So I started when I was pretty old in the media business. I had practiced as a tax lawyer for 10 years, and then I was uh, running um, a home video company back in the mid-80s, the, at the time the largest independent home video company. And then I transitioned into the media advertising marketing business when I was in my early 40s so that's not oh wow kind of gee I started there and I was 43 yeah. years old when I came into the media marketing and advertising business now professionally as a lawyer I had represented companies in that business so I understood the business but as a lawyer not as a practitioner so I mm -hmm. made that transition kind of at what some would consider my midlife uh, you know I'm a I'm a believer that I'm going to live to 120 so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just passing midlife, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, reasonably speaking and optimistically. But um, I would say the biggest career win for me was the founding of MediaLink uh, 17 years ago. And I was able to accomplish uh, something that I didn't think was doable, which an idea that I had on the back of an envelope really uh, turned into a business that... Uh, today is a preeminent uh, player on the field as I would say the leading, you know, immodestly, the leading media strategy boutique uh, in the world. Uh, and we had a great moment four years ago when we sold the company uh, to a British-based public company called Essential. Uh, and that was a pretty successful journey for me and one that I'm still very much on. They they wanted you in. They wanted to keep you. Oh yeah, and I and they weren't getting rid of me. Uh, you know, uh, they'll they'll kick me out with the. Uh, you know, I'll be the last person to turn the lights off. Uh, I, I I I learned a long time ago, Bethany, that if you enjoy what you do, work is not a four letter word. And I really enjoy what I do, and therefore I hope I can continue to do it as long as uh, they laugh at my jokes. And what has been your biggest miss? There's something you just didn't see, something you didn't catch, something someone did and you just hit yourself on the head and said, what the hell, how did we not do that? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, if you look at that through the lens of investment, what was the biggest miss in an investment? I sold Amazon stock way, 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 way too early. I was oh, somebody okay. who at the beginning owned a fair amount of it in the early 2000s, very early 2000s, and I believed in it but I was able to be talked out of it by someone said they'll never make a profit and 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 by the way there were a lot of people who said that and the Amazon stock it, everyone I know has that story of coulda woulda shoulda mm -hmm. that's one that I can point to and say my gut was right and I allowed my, my gut to be second-guessed by others and I said you know you may be right this may be one of those that doesn't ever see the light of day. And, you know, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not crying about it, mm -hmm. but it's one that I know I was there, I mm -hmm. was in it, and I got out of it. Wow, it happens, right? Yep. Um, do you read endless amounts of information? I can't I imagine I you do. have to. Don't you have to know so much? Well, I, I, you know, it, it gets to management style as much as it does curiosity for me. Uh, I, I stole an expression from a good friend of mine, uh, a, a woman by the name of Wendy Clark, when she described herself, and she's a very senior executive in the advertising industry. She runs Dentsu, uh, which is one of the large advertising agencies globally. And Wendy, and I give her full credit for this, described herself, which I stole, but I give her credit, so it doesn't, it's not stealing, because I told her. Mm -hmm. She described herself and I described myself as a micro-knower, not a micro-manager. I like to know a lot. I like to know everything I can. I don't have to make every decision for everyone and I don't have to manage everything, but that goes to my thirst for knowledge and reading and, and understanding. So I do read a lot and I, and I read a lot of varied opinions so that I can then, you know, kind of conflate and bring them together into what my opinion's gonna be, but I need those, I need those inputs. And so I, I do, I'm a voracious reader, uh, it, you know, uh, full stop. That's what this podcast is. It's listening to so many different, very successful business people, moguls that are so varying in their success from Dave Portnoy to Matthew McConaughey to Hillary Clinton, I mean, Mark Cuban, and people then, create their own toolbox. You're listening to so vastly different ways of doing business and then finding things that you see in these people. Uh, we've all had mentors of some sort or another. I'm a big believer in that. I happen to be on the board of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, uh, the, the national organization, because I'm a big believer in mentoring. And I mentor people every day of my life and I know how important it is, especially when you're looking at really young people, uh, which, you know, the big brothers, big sisters are dealing with, you know, kids all the way up through college and beyond. But certainly it's most important at those ages. And I'm a big believer in that. And you learn from people at all stages. I can learn as much from the receptionist in a company as I can from the CEO if I pay attention. I may learn different things, but I, I, learn, I learn a lot from people. I don't absorb. I don't read a fraction of what you do. I'm, I, but I am a crowdsourcer of information. I'm always listening. I'm always watching. I'm a crowdsourcer of information and I'm an idea hamster. That's sort of my thing. Like you said that you're a micro uh, knower. I'm an idea hamster. Um, so what did you think of the Peloton? A couple of things. What did you think of Peloton not putting that clause in that says you can't disparage the brand, even though we're so excited that you're including it in the, the next version of Sex in the City, uh, that somebody, that had to happen. I've been through this where, you know, it's tempting and it's rushed and it's a contract. You can't include a brand in something if you don't know the context. So what do you think of that? Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, look, I'm a big fan of Peloton. John Foley, the founder, CEO, is a good friend. And personalizing it. His wife went, grew up with my daughter and went to junior high and high school with my daughter. So I know his wife since she was 12 years old. And, and I'm a big fan of John's. And it, that's the danger. You know, the old joke is any press is good press. Mm. And we all know that that's not always the case, certainly. And we also know we're in a world where, you know, we could walk down the woke world stuff, but we're in a world where what you once thought would land a certain way doesn't land that way anymore. And I will talk yes. about that with the context of humor. You know, I, I was blessed with a father who was an extraordinarily witty guy who, you know, was successful in his chosen field, but what he should have done is stand-up comedy. He was that good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I inherited that, and it's one of the greatest gifts I ever got uh, was to be able to turn a phrase with some humor at attached to it and tell a good joke and kind of look at life through a lens of not everything's funny, but try to find the humor in everything. Mm -hmm. Even in sadness, you can find humor. And, mm -hmm. and it's, a good, it's a good medicine, if you will. And I've said for the last few years, as we look at this world we live in today of being so politically correct and appropriately so in many cases, 
But I say, look, I grew up with a father who would tell a joke about anything. And one thing I knew for sure, he never ever once told a joke that was intended to be anything other than funny. It wasn't intended to hurt your feelings. It wasn't intended to make you feel bad. It was intended to be funny. But that doesn't work anymore because what we say, you know, we all have learned words matter and words can hurt. So even if you think they're funny, the person receiving it might not. And the sensitivity of people is at such a fever pitch now that you can't say anything. I will tell you a story as we got on this conversation. I'm going to disagree with you in a minute, so I want to hear when what you When we got say. on this conversation, is it okay in the world we live in today for me to comment on what you're wearing? Because I think it's adorable and I think it's holiday season. Or have I crossed the line and is that not appropriate conversation? Here's the thing that I think. It's funny that you said, because I've been thinking about all press is good press lately more than ever because I don't agree. I don't like that feeling. I don't like teetering on the edge of cancellation. I'm an edgy person. I speak my mind. We've had a lot of issues discussed on the show and they've gotten picked up in the press. And I've thought for my whole career, speak when you really have something to say, but I'm not really interested in being written about in a salacious way. And I don't mess with the press because they're like the ocean and you can get whacked in a bad series of waves and you you don't cozy up to the press. They're a vehicle and it's great for when you want to talk about something, but you're not interested in being in there at any cost. What I would say, Bethany, is what I always learned is a reporter, when they're doing their job, you can't be friends with a reporter. No, no. You can be friendly, but you're not friends because when a reporter is doing their job, they can't be looking at it through the lens, well, that's my friend, I don't want to say that. So you should always know that when you deal with the press, they're not your friend, they're doing their job. But if you're friendly, you could get the benefit of the doubt, but that's just good advice. People should learn. It goes if, both and you ways. you can listen to that and learn from that. It cuts both ways with that. But so my thing is recently I've been thinking, not for myself because I just, it's not for me, but that all press is seems to be good press with the way society has been. So if you think about it, anybody who's teetered on the edge of cancellation for the most part, with the exception of you know, rape or going to jail or the threat of going to jail, like really bad stuff. Everybody who's teetered on the edge of cancellation, this pendulum swings right back. Okay. The pendulum swings right back because someone is, you know, it's, it's discussed their body image or something about them. And then all of a sudden they change that and they have a comeback or someone says something terrible and they've learned for their mistakes or they were drinking and now they're recovering. They get to have that be a moment. And I feel that Everyone keeps talking about cancellation is real. It doesn't seem to be that real. It seems to be people get canceled. They have their mea culpa. And because of all this information that is being digested and processed so quickly yes in social no. media, it turns. Give me some people that know. Because uh, I could say that Nick Cannon, Jewish comment, he's back. He's back. Chrissy Teigen issue, she came back. More followers, more engagement, more famous. I can't think of anybody besides a Harvey Weinstein or a Matt Lauer. I can't I can't think uh so uh, the Bill O'Reilly. I can't think of that many. Most people swing right back. Uh, you know, famous people have a different set of facts than people who are not famous. You're talking about the examples of the more famous people who yes. can apologize and get that second chance. Yep. The less famous people are getting canceled in ways that they can't come back. Because they're liabilities and they're not worth the risk. Like, uh, and they're not worth the risk. It's exactly right. I also think that if it's a situation where someone proclaims to be flawed or isn't perfect, like a Chrissy Teigen who's self-deprecating uh, or Nick Cannon, they their comeback can be more easily digested because they've never said that they're so perfect or so good. I think people paint themselves into the perfect corner and then they do something wrong and people are just want to pull them right down. It's just a very interesting dynamic. Bethany, are you familiar with the concept of schadenfreude? Yep. Okay. You know, I'm somebody who can tell you in my life, I've never been somebody who subscribes to schadenfreude. I do not ever enjoy, ever, well, maybe once or twice, but I generally, I would say almost 100% of the time, don't enjoy someone else going through a tough time because I just know it's not fun and I know it's not okay. 
and I don't wish people harm. I'm a well-wisher. I'm not somebody who wishes other people harm. I wish other people well. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've always described the difference between people who are greedy and people who are hungry. I always want to deal with people who are hungry, mm -hmm. putting that in economic terms. I don't want to deal with people who are greedy. Because if I'm hungry, I want to get satisfied, but I'm okay with you getting satisfied. And that, exactly. you know, the next person, greedy is I want it all. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Love this. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When people are shoving their success or how great they are or how sanctimonious they are 
down your throat, then you're just sort of excited when they take a fall. Or I find that celebrities in particular flaunting how perfect, how rich they are, how perfect their lives are, how perfect their relationships are, how romantic the gifts are, how great they get to travel. And you're watching it and you're happy for them. And people are, are you know, are going on the ride. But that person, those people aren't sharing the flaws in their relationship and the flaws in their life. So then when they get snapped up, that's why the the viewer and the fan is pulling them back down. I, I felt a responsibility when I had a reality show to share the challenges of my relationship, which were not easy. I felt like I'd taken them on this fairy tale and I couldn't not share the nightmare too. Bethany, uh, only because this is very relevant in this conversation, what I've tried to do is look at life um, kind of like a television series. I don't mean that the way you think I mean it. There are many shows that, that I really like, but I've seen an ep- pick Pick any friends. Pick, you know, Seinfeld. Pick Curb Your mm-hmm. Food. Whatever, whatever your show of choice is. Whatever that show. And if mm-hmm. you look at the, what we call, and you know the term, run of, run of, run of show um, versus episodic, it's one way to look at life. If I look at the run of show of anybody, your name here, I look at that person and say, did they have every episode perfect? Or did they have a flaw over here or a blemish over here? And was there one episode in their life, taking the analogy of a TV show, was there one episode that I actually didn't like? And the answer is probably yes. But was I willing to write off the whole show because I didn't like one episode? No. I looked at the run of the show and I said, and I look at people this way. On the run of show, this person's had a good quality life and, you know, is caring and does the right things. They, they screwed up over here. They said something they shouldn't have. They were trying to be funny. They, they shouldn't have whatever it may be. I try to look at life and say, um, that's how you need to examine it. And I also have a unique, I think, unique view of friendships. Uh, I, I read a great quote somewhere. I, name, I know the name of the book, but I don't know the name of the person that this quote is attributed to. But it really stuck with me. And it said, the definition of a friend is somebody that when you've made a fool of yourself doesn't think you've done a permanent job. Mm. So if somebody's your friend, the initial, I had a a, a rabbi friend of mine once who said to me, you know, Michael, if if I find out that a friend of mine killed somebody or shot somebody, the first question may be, what did that person do to deserve it? Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to give my (laughs) friend the benefit of the doubt. Now, I may yep. find out my friend's a murderer, God forbid, right. but my first reaction is going to be, what did that person do to deserve to get shot? Right. And, and again, right. if you look at life that way, it doesn't have to just be friends. If, if you're a celebrity that I have liked and followed and enjoyed your music or a, a sports, you know, a, 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 someone in sports that I've admired your career and your accomplishments and your successes and failures, am I willing to give you the benefit of the doubt? That's really it. Do I think as a friend or a fan, let me let me expand that definition, do I think when you've done something to embarrass yourself, it's a permanent job or is it just a bad moment? I think that's where you get into the, do you go all the way to cancellation or do you get a second chance? I've always believed that we as a, as a people, Broadly, people should get a second chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and just to finish up the Peloton conversation, I love their shift, their pivot. I love their 48-hour commercial and just going where the fish are and not backing down and finding the humor and leaning into it. I tweeted today that I think that they should uh, do something to the song by the Bee Gees, Staying Alive like some disco spin glass workout and really lean into it for their customers and just be like, we get the joke, we're part of it, I love it. Bethany, when they did that commercial years ago, you know, the the the, the couple in the apartment and everyone said, oh, that's great, that's great if you're rich or whatever. Yeah. I was somebody who looked at it and go, I wasn't, in, in, I wasn't offended by the commercial. I thought it was a perfectly fine commercial. This Sex in the City issue, that's the risk of being a celebrity. Whether you're a celebrity as a person or a brand, you know, 
it's 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 it could go both ways it's a rose that has it, it has petals ways. and th- it cuts both ways okay the last question is for small business owners or any business moguls entrepreneurs what are your top three tips for marketing for getting your message out there for just promoting your business or your brand or your idea understand who your customer is that's number one first and foremost who are you trying to reach how are you trying to attract them so the who okay i think you need to know that um it's no different than when we do strand standard media planning you look at first you do the research and you determine who's your customer who do you need to reach second you do the planning which is okay now that i know who my customer is I need to know, I now know where I can reach them, social media, television, a billboard on, on the Sunset Strip or Times Square or, you know, on Main Street uh, anywhere USA or anywhere in the world. Uh, and secondly, it's the execution of that. Okay, I know who I, I want to reach. I know where I think I have the best likelihood of reaching them. And now I have to make sure I execute it properly to deliver that message. So you have to really know who your consumer is and understand that first, because if you get that wrong, then you're gonna get it wrong on where you reach them and how you reach them, right? So that's, I think, the first and foremost rule. Understand who who your customer is. Okay, and what if uh, you only have $10,000? How are you spending it to reach this customer? Oh gosh. it's a tough question to answer because if you're a small business in a small town, you're buying a billboard more likely on the street. That might be the best way to attract it. It's going to depend. There's too many, there's too many facts and circumstances there, Bethany, for me to give a real answer that anybody could hang their hat on because there's too many variables in that conversation. Now, that being said, all the time in our business, when we're called in by a a marketer to determine who their best agency partner is, who's the best advertising agency, one of the tests you give them generally is say, we're going to introduce a new product. We have a budget of X. How would you spend it? Mm -hmm. That's how we do it. So it's the same question you've asked. Now, the answer, the reason I can't answer it here is I don't know, know the product. I don't know enough about the the consumer you're trying to reach. If it's local, it's going to be one thing. If it's national, it's going to be another thing. If it's about travel, maybe it's in the airport. Maybe you know, it, 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 there's too many variables there. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. Love this. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast. 
to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My answer would be, uh, years ago, I remember, it was the people who started Pirate's Booty. They, at that time, I think it was Pirate's Booty, and they had said, and this is, doesn't have to be about food, and it's a metaphor, what I'm about to say, but they said, we don't spend money on advertising, we want to get the product in people's mouths. And I always remembered that, because it meant, you just want to get people to understand what it is that you're doing, selling, what is happening, versus just spending money on some messaging that might not connect to the customer. So look, the, the holy grail today, Bethany, for a marketer is you want to um, make sure you reach, reach the right person at the right time mm-hmm. with the right message in the right context, you know, looking for all those things that are That's right. Good. That's okay? good. That's good. People should write, take their journal out and write these notes down and check all these boxes it has been such a pleasure, and I feel like it was great takeaway for people who would really listen to just garner business and marketing information. Well, Bethany, it was a pleasure, and and you know it was authentic from your perspective, and I hope from mine, uh, and and I appreciate it, and I do love your reindeer. Oh, thank you. You <laughs> know, I've been wearing a onesie for those of you listening. I've been wearing this onesie. Pretty much all weekend, I, I I have different onesies, but this one I'm really a fan of. So I appreciate you. Happy holidays, uh, and send the same to your family, and have a wonderful new year. Thank you, and you as well. So that was very interesting. I wanted to give this gift to you because I know that so many of you are business people, entrepreneurs. You have an idea. You want to be out on your own and it's very difficult to understand exactly what to do, how to spend your time, how to spend your money, and how to market your business or idea. So I wanted to give this conversation to you to get some free advice so you can really figure out exactly how to reach your audience in the most efficient, economical manner. So I hope you enjoyed it. I think there was a lot of good takeaway that you could scribble down on a notepad and make your business a huge success. So thank you so much for listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe and have a terrific day. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., 
And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 